Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to a weekly look at all things high school sports around the South Plains. Powered by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Here's the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. And hello, everyone. It's Carlos Silva, the sports editor here at the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, bringing you another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. So you know what that means. My man, Mike Graham, is with me. How you doing, bud? Hey, doing good. Really excited about this slate of games coming up. As you always are. He's our high school. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, no, it's true. You love high school football. Of course, he covers all high schools for us here at the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. And fortunately for everyone that's listening to this, you know you're going to get your earful of Texas high school football action. There was a lot last week. We'll get to that and then of course we'll preview some of the games that we're going to look at uh, just to kind of give you all a little bit of a taste. Uh, we're looking at New Deal Slayton, Lubbock High and Plainview and uh, I believe Estacado uh, Caprock is going to be another one that we may chat about and then uh, Coronado uh, Odessa. Yeah, Coronado Odessa and then uh, of course the old rivalry game Lubbock Cooper and Friendship will kind of dabble in some of those and maybe uh, probably talk a little bit about some other ones just because you never know sometimes a conversation brings up some other things but one of the biggest games I thought I know we weren't at that game uh, that was our, our freelancer I believe Jeff Tennell we were kind of waiting on that one because it took so long but double overtime game you spoke to Max Catwinkle he's not a very fiery guy but I'm sure he was fired up uh, when he decided to go for two in that game and then of course got the uh, I believe it was 44-43 uh, 43-42 43-42 missed that same thing got that victory yeah no doubt um, I asked our photographer Brad Tollefson who was at that game hey how was he because he's he's so even keel all the time is. and and go with the flow and uh he said, well, this picture should sum it up for you. And it's it's yeah. that now iconic picture on our Lone Star Varsity Facebook page. He, yeah. He's just beaming. His players are so happy. And they played to win that game because they went Absolutely. for the two-point conversion. Um, there were a lot of reasons they went to that. One, obviously, it'd be a huge win against Coronado. And, yep. and two, they could avoid some injuries in a game that's not really going to help them make and, and actually, in, in fact, not going to help them at all make the playoffs. Um, so they got the bragging right against Coronado with the two-point conversion. Um, he was on our podcast, The Coach's Show, on Monday and kind of explained his thought price a little more in-depth than that. But that was a huge win for Cooper ahead of another really emotional game coming up this week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I found it very interesting when you were talking to him on that podcast that you asked him if he would have done this if it was a district game or not necessarily a meaningful game, but just a game where some stuff is on the line and he kind of had to pause for a little bit and kind of gave you the old answer of, well, you have to kind of be in that situation. But I think the fact that they were able to do that 
and maybe even, again, and you kind of mentioned it before to me, but the fact that they were able to get that big victory the week before on a game-winning field goal, I think this is preparing them very well for these type of tight situations, and I think that's going to help them very much, especially if they're able to get Isaiah Johnson going, who started in that game as well. Yeah, big picture first, you know, we have them in Region 1 uh, yeah. of Class 5A Division 2, and it's it's pretty wide open. And honestly, it doesn't look like there's going to be a whole lot of competition for, for a couple of rounds should they make the postseason, that their best competition would actually be in their district. Yep. So it's going to be a little bit of a break between when they make the playoffs mm-hmm. and when they run into uh, a team that, that kind of has their number and that they'd have to fight through to, to get out of the game alive. So these, these two early games have been really good for them. Andrews is a team they blew, I think, a 28-point lead to those guys and had to kick a game-winning field goal to win that one. And then Coronado, I think everyone around here believes that they're probably the best 5A football team. At least they did believe that until last week. I'm going to have to preface this because there's no real good way for me to kind of uh, transfer our way into this conversation. But do you smell that, Mike? I'm not sure. Piping hot and ready, my man. I'm uh, baking some crow right now. I had mentioned this before. I didn't mention it on the podcast, but Mike Graham was uh, Mr. Uh, The Tigers are going to get off the 12-game slide. I told him if they did win because I thought Hershey was just that much better. They had a really good Division One quarterback. I'm a man of my word. Friendship won. I mean, they played the way they should have. Jay Northcutt and his uh, his group certainly showed up. They were able to get that victory. Very happy for them because I know, obviously, it, it's never fun to kind of be in a losing streak like that. I've talked to players before. They, sit, they, they basically say the biggest thing you can do is just forget about it, just kind of get into the process, which – that's the whole reason I felt really good about Jay Northcutt and the Tigers earlier on in the season, just because when you talk to them, biggest thing you, you heard was just, we're not focused on last year. We're going to forget about that. Yes, there are some little portions of it we'll remember, but the biggest thing is it's a new year. We're going to continue to do what we do, and certainly that was able to kind of allow them to get that victory, and you were able to kind of see it for yourself. Yeah, you know, kind of abstract. I feel like everyone in their life is going to go through some sort of 0-12 thing. Or adversity. Yeah, just exactly. I mean, and and you're going to have to figure it out. Um, And Friendship did that. They, They went into that game very optimistic off of what they had done against Amarillo High. They had numbers and depth to throw it, which falls yep. Hershey, which you saw toward the end of the third quarter that Hershey was kind of out of gas and friendship kept rotating on them. Um, there were a lot of things to like, I think, about friendship going into that game, and there's a lot more to like about them coming out of that game because uh, Austin Phillips played decently. William Bayuth was a running back who mm-hmm. got, I think, 14 total touches, five of them through the air, um, and he comes away with four total touchdowns in that game that's a positive sign the defense did well contained um DeQuavin, uh foster mm-hmm. and um and yeah i mean that that was a good hershey team for for what it is on the 4a division one level and and friendship hung with them but I, I think that the challenges are much steeper this week when you have a cooper team feeling itself right now so my big question about this game is where's everyone's emotions because they both got emotional wins for different reasons who's going to um, put it behind them and play the game faster. Well, the other thing, too, that you can kind of even throw another layer to this is the fact that it's a rivalry game. Like, every time these two teams have gone together, whether it's in Woodrow, whether it's in Woolforth, there's always been some game-changing play that just kind of kind of turns it on, or there's a big play by some player that everyone kind of remembers. So I think that's the other thing is how can you 
like you said, kind of shake that off. Obviously, it's a big win for both programs, but the thing is, is the next one's always the big win, as Cat Winkle always likes to joke with me about. But uh, like I said, just wanted to kind of throw that out there. Mike uh, now knows I'm a man of my word. I'll eat my crow. I thought, uh, again, I'm probably saying his name wrong. You probably did too. But Demarque Foster, I believe, yeah, is how it's D, D Foster. Yeah. I apologize. He's a Division One prospect. He's certainly going to get his due, and everyone will know his name by the end of this season. But one thing, uh, again, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure you will believe friendship held him to under 200 yards, which is something slightly impressive when you see the type of runs he's been doing. Early. Yeah, they held Foster to under 200 words, but that that 200 yards. Yeah. Uh, but sorry, I'm a reporter or something about it words happens, right man. now. It um, happens. The, the whole team, no. But I don't really put a lot of stock into what friendship holds people to. Yeah. Just because they throw the ball so much and they score so much mm-hmm. or they turn the ball over on downs and punt so much that they're not going to get average defensive numbers. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing that I will say that I know – Coach Jay Northcutt talked about earlier in the preseason is they have to take the turnovers down. They were able to get them down from what they did against uh, their previous opponent. I believe it's Amarillo High. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Amarillo High. Austin Phillips did have two interceptions. That's not good, but certainly the fact that they got the victory is something to at least build on, and I think if they're able to get him going, if he can average about 400 yards a game, I think they're going to be in a really good spot. I think so, too, and uh, they won the turnover battle in that one, even yes. though they, they gave up uh, three turnovers in that one, so that so was okay. Certainly did. Uh, speaking of another team that uh, you'll be covering tomorrow, that'll be uh, Lubbock High. They're hosting Plainview. This is an interesting situation. It's one of those tough deals where both teams are coming in winless, Obviously, a win would be huge for either squad. It's a game-changing win in a sense that it kind of resets you right before district, and you can kind of either take, a, I don't know, take solace in the fact that, okay, we got that monkey off our back, or if you lose, you can just kind of say, well, it's a new season either way. But either way, you want to go into district with some momentum. Yeah, I really appreciate games like this just because it's so much fun to go down to the field after and, and see how happy everyone is. Because not only is high school football very competitive, but it, it should be a lot of fun and and it's going to teach half those guys, at least, you know, if you persevere, there's going to be some sort of payoff. And, and that's always good. And I think that these two teams could be decent by years in. Um, Lubbock High, they're obviously going through their transition with Shane Steven right yeah. now. But I really like their quarterback, Noah Gutierrez, mm-hmm. who got hurt in the Borger game that they lost yeah. in overtime. Um, he he's one of the area's most productive players. Yep. Uh, there's some people around him. Dual threat. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see them. Plainview is kind of having to figure it out on offense right now because I think they had a game plan. Okay, we have a star running back. Yep. And Andrew Villa, he hurt his ankle. He's uh, quote unquote day to day. Yep. Um, but they're gonna they're gonna have to figure out what they're gonna do without him if if that's gonna be a long term problem and. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot on the line in this game, so it's gonna be it's gonna be fun in a lot of different facets. Well, it's gonna be fun for you because it'll be deadline friendly because if both teams are running the football, which most do, it's gonna be a pretty quick game, which is good. It'll be on TV as well, Fox thirty four. You can check that out on the old big three four, as Rob Verby likes to call it. Uh, one thing I want to take away from this one is. In the last two games, Lubbock has lost by a combined 15 points. Of course, the last one was a double overtime, or pardon me, not double, an overtime loss uh, in which they were in a good position to win but gave up that uh, two-point conversion. Tough way to lose, but here's the thing that Coach Shane Steven has been talking about since he started here. He wants to change that perception. The way you start doing it is you get close victories. 
they were able to I, – I know they lost that first game 21-7, but just the fact that you kept it close against a very good Seminole squad, that's a positive to take away. Again, there I'm sure there are other things that they're talking about, but here are the outside-looking-in type things that I see from that. Borger, you played really well. You actually had a lead against them. Fortunately, they kind of came back and won that in the – I guess the stadium opening game, if you will, but the fact that you were able to kind of keep up with Borger, a squad that should at least not necessarily be one of the squads that everyone talks about uh, in in the hunt for the district title or anything like that, but certainly a solid squad that you can kind of build off of, knowing that you're able to score, your offense kind of worked a little bit better. It's the second game, so the coaching staff is a little bit more comfortable with the with, with, with itself in terms of the staff and then of course all the players and personnel but I certainly think this is a game where Lubbock High can kind of find itself and not only that but then just get that validation win saying that oh or Shane Stevens should I say gets that validation win saying hey here's all the things we did this is what it leads to mm-hmm. and I think Plainview's in the kind of the exact same Absolutely. right now it's, Absolutely. It's, it's a really tough situation up there right now because they're used to winning they went to the postseason oh, yeah. last year um, so yeah regardless of, of who wins that game I'm going to be happy for them and I think it's going to be a really fair fight and I think they come to each other at the perfect time. Speaking of two teams that are kind of coming at each other at the perfect time, we'll uh, switch to our game of the week here with Mike Graham. He's, of course, uh, the guy that gets to pick where he wants to go even though I kind of say you shouldn't go there, but I actually agree with you to go to this game. Slayton at New Deal, both 2-0 teams, both Teams have athletes. Devondra Gober is a guy that I think no one's heard of that everyone will start to hear of. And, of course, everyone knows Jet Whitfield and kind of all the the uh, moving parts with uh, the New Deal Lions and Matt Hill and just all the tradition and winning that they have there. But I think this is a chance for Slayton to maybe uh, kind of put its name out there. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think that New Deal is going to be a serious state championship competing, competing team yep. this year. Um, they have what you want to see out of a out of a 2A team competing for for that, those kinds of accolades and and here comes Slayton from 3A Division 1 which is coming off a really good year have a new head coach in Jeff Caffey yep um, hard nosed guy yeah and and just love what they're doing offensively especially um, I've, I've watched a lot of huddle on them and I really like Laz Galina yeah Laz Galindo uh, the quarterback there he's a old we will have a story about this later this week, but he came to them from Southland for his mm-hmm. freshman season, was a standout six-man player. He's a junior now, and uh, he'll wind up being a three-year starter. This is his second year. And, boy, is there a better test for this guy than the New Deal, which has really stepped on its first two opponents early. Um, they played uh, Muleshoe, and why am I blanking on the other one right now? I can't think of it, it right now. It was Roosevelt. And yeah, there you go. Yeah, they built up at least leads of 19 nothing, and then just kind of cruised in after that. Jed Whitfield's a guy who's thrown um, – he's completed 17 of 20 passes for well over 200 yards, and, and they're not really asking him to do a whole lot because he hasn't had to. All that said, I, I, I feel like these two teams match up really well with each other and uh, really excited to see – where this game goes. Well, and here's the other funny part. You mentioned Jet Whitfield and all that. You forgot to mention the Division One prospect, D.K. Blaylock, because they've got a lot of athletes, and I think this is what's going to kind of make this game fun. Could be a track meet with all the athletes that you see there. They're, uh, coincidentally, their field is inside a track, so I guess you might see a track meet with all the guys there running. I mean, that could be a deal where 
it's a turnover or maybe some sort of fumble or something like that could kind of turn the tide in this one because I think this could be an offensive onslaught. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, DK's automatic. He had a play in the game against Muleshoe where yep. he juked out four different players in, in a five-yard stretch between him and the end zone. I mean, you can basically see why Iowa State likes him. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's why I wanted to go with the 2A prototype because I think I've referenced that a whole bunch of times and I, maybe I haven't explained it very well, but mm-hmm. your classic 2A team, you look back – um, the past decade with the Tenahas and yep. the Mondays and the um, uh, Bremons. They had Reginald Davis, D. Paul slash L.J. Collier. Quarterback. Man, and uh, Rashad good. Paul from, yep. from A&M, who mm-hmm. all really stood out except for Paul on, on the college level. Yeah. You need one of those guys. And then just another good indication of what a good 2A program is is that the athletes take them to the state level and other sports. New Deal has that and went to the baseball semifinals. So there are a lot of things to like about them off the bat. And and then Slayton is this really up-and-coming program because I don't think... Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I, I just don't remember reading a lot about them from, from back in the day, my first stint in Lubbock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now here they are, you know, 2-0 and off of a 6-6 six and six season, went to the area round and, and getting ready for a really good 2-3A um, Division one. So this game will serve them well. It's just funny you mention that because sometimes when I talk to coaches, they kind of give me this little saying, which maybe kind of goes to what you're talking about with kind of the smaller schools, the 2As. Sometimes you just get this influx of athletes. It's just sometimes there's just kids that just kind of come up the ranks and this is where Slayton is kind of making its run. New Deal just keeps on getting them, but uh, Slayton is kind of making this special run, and we'll see if they're able to maybe get a notch in their cap or a little feather in their cap with a potential victory against New Deal, and it could be a big deal for them because they're mentioned in our Lone Star Varsity uh, top 10 rankings and the small school rankings. We'll see if they're able to kind of do a little bit more if they do get a win over the Lions. But it would be a big jump for them. Absolutely. Speaking of teams that did not make jumps, they actually made a small little uh, fall there was Coronado. Of course, they took the loss to uh, Lubbock Cooper. Maybe a deal where you kind of take that loss and you kind of realize, okay, what well, what do we have to do to kind of reset ourselves here? Because frankly, I don't think there is much that Coronado needs to fix. I mean, they are a really good team. They got a kid maybe uh, in Sawyer Robertson where you can say, okay, there's some things that a sophomore can fix. Maybe it's uh, kind of reading plays at the the line of scrimmage. But he showed some flashes of greatness. I know you kind of alluded to the fact where he kind of felt a blitz. That's something you takes a little bit of time to kind of figure out, but he felt that against, uh, I want to say it was Estacado. Mm-hmm. I was watching that game a little bit with you. But I, I think everything else just kind of works out. You have a really good defense that gets after it. you got DJ Davis on the defensive line. At the next level, of course, you've got uh, Charlie Robinson, and you got uh, Trey Stevens as well. And then, of course, in the safety, uh, you've got some other playmakers there as well. And on the offensive side, I mean – like you said, you just need some playmakers. Blair Conright's about as good of a playmaker as you'll get in this area. Yeah, the only thing that's disappointing me about them right now is that the rushing numbers aren't where they were this time last year, but the passing numbers 
it's kind of an inverse of last season, and they didn't really figure it out until they played Andrews, I think, in the third or fourth game. Yeah. But it's a high. Uh, is a team that's trending up statewide. People are really impressed with their win against Monterey, and then they hosted Buckeye, Arizona, mm-hmm. last week and, and just destroyed them. I think it was like 63-7. to seven. Which, frankly, I don't know the history behind Buckeye, Arizona, but... Yeah, uh, there is none. That yeah, is not a good gonna, football yeah. team. But I think this game... It's important in a lot of ways. One, uh, can Coronado once again perhaps wind up being the best team in West Texas? Uh, they're going to play a West Texas opponent from, yep. from outside the South Plains area. Two, how good is Monterey when, when you compare them head-to-head uh, against Coronado via Odessa High? Which, by the way, shout-out to them for getting a big win against Abilene High, who really kind of took it to them last year. So I, I, I think that's a really good win there for Wayne Hutchinson and the Plainsmen. Um, but I'm excited about Odessa High because when we saw them play Monterey, yep. they were really balanced. I mean, they, they threw the ball well. They passed the ball well. They ran the ball really well. Yeah, they did with, with uh, Laura. Yeah. Oh, man, he's he's a beast. Yes. And, and he did the same thing to Monterey last season. So excited yep. to see how he works against the uh, Coronado defensive front. Um, but, yeah, I think I think that the Bronchos are actually in a position to test Coronado defensively. Um, offensively, I think that Coronado has a major edge against Oh, I agree Odessa with that. Defense. Now, that, that's going to be the difference is, will they have the play, which I, I always joke to you about, throw it to player. I mean, he's he is your playmaker, so he has to make those plays, which I know Seth Pars, in, in uh, I guess, shorter words, said, yes, he is a really, good, uh, a really good wide receiver for us, and we have to find a way to get him the football. But he certainly has some other weapons that he can find as well. You got Caleb Manuel, who kind of stepped up last year for Gerard Compton, and I think uh, Charlie Robinson in himself can be his own playmaker as well. It's just a matter of just getting those reps in and just kind of getting your confidence in boys. Yep, Caden Hensley and, and John Hernandez, I feel so bad for them because they're being overshadowed, but they're extremely productive. Especially John Hernandez. He, he, he's a big play threat that you don't really think of, but, I mean, when you're trying to obviously double or triple team or even zone cloud coverage, with uh, Blair Conright, you get other guys that are open, and John Hernandez and Caden Hensley will be the benefactors of that. They're like two little Cole Beasleys, except they're not jerks. Well, hey, <laughs> Jesus, you, you and your hot takes already. We're almost going to finish this. Uh, speaking of a team that did play Coronado this this uh, year, Estacado took, took yeah. a loss to them, but got a very, very good resounding win against Pampa, a team that was thought to be a, a very good team just because of the way that they pass. Slowed that down. Drake Conrad said he wanted to see a secondary show out. They certainly did. They got a couple of interceptions. Yeah, he got an interception. He sure did. So he kind of stepped up for you and his quote. So it wasn't one of those deals where you say something in the paper and it didn't work out. He kind of said what he said, and he made it happen. And not only that, but I've told Joel Cluley this to his face. His defensive line gets after it. Dalvin Rhodes, that is a dude. Yeah. Again, I don't say it. He's a dude. Yeah, four sacks against Pampa uh, for starters. I think we've got him at six sacks and an additional two tackles for loss for eight in total. Um, Yeah, I I think that colleges need to start kind of checking in on him uh, I really I like I really like the Estacado defense I think we've mm-hmm. said it on here that they they hit like a state championship kind of team well you've said it yeah and in print that is true so you are on record by the I'm, way I'm stuck with them yes but I, I'm, I'm feeling super comfortable with them right now I, I think that they're a really good team that could end up running out of the region um, but Caprock Caprock's 2-0 yeah they're 2-0 and I I, I want to say they're a passing team I can't remember uh, from last year but it should certainly be a challenge for that defense which Joe Cooley being a defensive coordinator at heart will certainly uh, enjoy trying to see how his guys 
I want to say it's a road game, so mm-hmm. that should be a big one for Estacado because the four p.m. game. It yeah, yeah, the uh, the old doubleheader. So one, you have to go on the road. Number two, you're playing at a time that maybe you're not used to, so maybe you're going to get out of class earlier. You may miss class for all I know on a Friday. Go there, stretch out. Again, these are small little things, but sometimes it affects players. But I think uh, Estacado's got the uh, what's the word? The poise to do this. Uh, Joe Cooley has kind of mentioned it. Obviously, it was a tough loss to Coronado, but they uh, kind of forgot about it. We're able to play really good against Pampa, and I think they're going to be able to do the same uh, to Amarillo Caprock when they play them this weekend. Yeah, it could go on a whole rant, too, about the offense and Jalen Dobbins and how much better he looked game two compared to game one. You know, just a sophomore quarterback and, and kind of doing that thing where he wants to throw at 45 degrees. Of course. But he started looking over the top, and he connected with Dre Conride and mm-hmm. Donald Young, who are very talented receivers. Yes. Dre Conride's a guy that's really good on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jeremiah Dobbins, he is, I believe, our fourth leading rusher right now and the number one in 4A. Uh, And I think if you paired him with 5A, he'd be number one there too. So uh, really good offense, really good defense, and kind of a do-over playing another 5A Division I team that's name is not Coronado. Yeah. Well, the other thing too is you forget Seth Porter. So, I mean, it's not necessarily you got one guy that you got to put everything on. you got a couple of good runners in there, and I think that's going to really help them. If they're able to get 7 to 14 point lead I think you can feel pretty good about the Estacado defense because they've been lights out at least from what I've seen at least here at home no doubt awesome anything else you wanted to mention uh, before we kind of end it up I know we 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 kind of alluded to Lubbock Cooper friendship I I feel like this is going to be a good game in a sense that it's going to be a defensive struggle here for Lubbock Cooper can you slow down this aerial assault that is friendship because whether you like it or not friendship is going to throw the ball on you it's just can you slow them down or can you create turnovers and kind of make them play your pace which would be try and run the football at us and then we'll kind of figure out everything after that yeah i'm kind of thinking the same thing that it's going to be love at cooper's responsibility to build a lead and then get out of this game because you don't you don't want to go four hours with friendship because even if they're not in a rhythm at the beginning they throw the ball so much Mm -hmm. they're so up tempo um that they could get in a rhythm and and come back so i think that you want to establish a lead and then hand the ball off to tyler hairston and isaiah johnson and just run the clock and and get out of that game as quickly as possible those are two running backs not too bad or not too shabby to kind of give the ball to anything else you wanted to talk talk about from the week i know you mentioned a little bit about the stats of course uh, every thursday we're going to put all our lone star varsity stats or lone star varsity top 10 uh every once in a while we'll also kind of put our picks uh, for those that want to see or get mad at whoever doesn't pick you that week that's kind of the fun part about the old pick them uh, i know uh, i picked texas tech to beat houston uh How'd you do there? Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't believe in the tech football team. Well, well, we can tease to that. We can figure out what what you want to do. But of course, we appreciate everyone that reads. You put my face on the front page, like possibly he hates the school. Hey, well, you never know. I mean, I I uh, ate my crow today. It, it's still <laughs> hot right now. So. Yeah. Well, just just you know, you asked me if if there were any other games I was interested in, and there are so many. I mean, you look at Brownfield, oh, yeah. Tahoka, LCHS, Sundown, just yeah. on the small school level, right there, and it's really a shame. But you know, we were taught that uh, this is a podcast that you're supposed to be able to complete on a drive on the loop. So I think we'll probably shut it down. But yeah, this is a really good week. This is an above average week. So I hope that everyone comes in and reads our Friday previews, and then comes back Saturday to see the results. 
Absolutely. And then, of course, you can get all that in the Lubbock Avalanche Journal starting on Thursday, like I said, with some stats. Preview for the uh, Lubbock High and Plainview game. We'll see who wins that one. Mike will be there. You can follow him on Twitter at AJ underscore Mike Graham. Brad Tollefson will probably be shooting photos. So if you want to say hello to him, he's at underscore or blah, at Brad underscore Tollefson, T-O-L-L-E-F-S-O-N. He's always happy every time I shout him out. But uh, the other thing, too, of course, like you said, we're going to have a bunch of previews and capsules uh, for Friday's paper to get you ready for all the high school football action. I know we mentioned a little bit about Lubbock Christian and Sundown. I think we'll be talking about them next week just because seems like Sundown and Lubbock Christian are going to be those two teams, as I mentioned before, just the dark horses. But up until then, we appreciate you all listening. I'm Carlos Silva, the sports editor here at the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, as always, joined by Michael Graham. You've listened to another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. We'll talk to you next week.